playing, is that my song in the background? Playing us in with Claire's song, yeah. Oh, I was like, uh, am I having a stroke? Like, why? <laughs> Uh, you you said that you were you know a musician. I, I did not know how familiar our our other hosts are because I was the one who asked you to come on. Uh, oh yeah. You know so yeah we'll we'll just uh, play it in until uh, this is my favorite um, of your songs. So. Well thanks that's so nice. Uh, this is us by Tiny Deaths and uh, this. Just <laughs> the sound of a cool, refreshing Arizona iced tea. Uh, today we're going with the uh, Arnold Palmer Light half and half iced tea and lemonade. Uh, the classic. Oh, classic. Yeah. Following up the, the one golf tournament of the year that I enjoy, the U.S. Open, <laughs> when I can openly laugh at professional golfers hitting balls into trees and bushes and sand traps and all assortment of other things. I am Jesse from the internet, uh, joined as I often am by, now that she's exhaled, Addie from the internet. Addie, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> how's, how's everybody else? I, I feel a little bit like Brit, like... I feel like we should all feel very proud of our Ferrari boys for literally <laughs> scoring points yesterday. Yes, yes. and, and I'm, we will. But I'm just like, I'm I'm like still drained from how annoyed I am at them for the like bar not is so low for the qualifying. <laughs> I mean, I'm for the everything. For the everything, I'm annoyed at them. I'm like exhausted from being annoyed at them for not pitting during the safety car and then pulling it off and then having that work. Like I'm like annoyed at that as right. well. I wanted natural so. consequences so that you people would learn something. Yes. But as you said, Brett, they're never going to learn. So I guess That's you might as true. well. Yeah. Yeah. If they haven't learned at this well point, like I don't know what else to say. That so is that's how I am. the internet. Uh, in addition to Addie from the internet and our guest today, a uh, special guest back on the show. Uh, Claire is here from the internet. Claire from Tiny Deaths. Claire from The Guardian. But here, Claire from the internet. Claire, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Mm. It's um. Oh, sorry. I just like shoved a chair out of the way. That was really loud. Um, <laughs> um, just dramatically knocking over furniture for dramatic effect. Um, I'm good. I the NBA season is over, so theoretically my job should be slowing down, but you know, the NBA is a year-long soap opera, so never a dull moment. I was going to say as a as an extremely casual fan, the off-season is my favorite part. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I generally do kind of cover a lot of the like off-the-court storylines even during the season cuz it's also my favorite part. Um but yeah, we've had a the off season kind of started off with a bang and there was not a whole lot of time lapsed between when the last finals game was played and when the drama picked back up again. So and the draft busy. is this week. I it is. don't particularly care because the Knicks don't have any picks whatsoever, but it's always a always a good time and always a a, a fashion night. Um the NBA doesn't have a, a big awards night. Um, the same way that, uh, man, the NHL has it and it's such a waste of time. Uh, we could, we could be having an NBA awards show, but we get the NBA draft 
We they used to do an award show. It just wasn't very popular. They used to give no, away give the, the MVP <laughs> and, you know, most improved player, all the accolades that they do still give out for the NBA. They used to have an awards night for that. And it was just sort of stuffy and awkward and they just, they, they got rid of it, which I thought was a good Yeah, move. And they also give us the fits on a game night to game night basis. So, uh, you know, it's, it's fits, own red yeah. carpet. Indeed. Uh, so the NBA, yeah, for me, it is uh, playoffs and then off season is the best time of year. And you can, you know, the regular season really from the end of July or the end of free agency until about Christmas, you can forget about the NBA. It's a lovely thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've definitely, I've advocated for team make the season start on Christmas day. Cause I think the season really does for all intents and purposes, start on Christmas day. The, the games leading up to Christmas are, as you said, like not always the most consequential and all the other sports are still happening at that time. Like football is still taking up a lot of people's um, attention baseball's just ending so i think yeah i i would love to see the season shortened and just officially start on christmas that is my personal preference but as of right now it starts in october so i am i, I would say i'm like brit i like i think the nba is fun i don't watch the regular season um I love the drama, though. Yeah. So what's what's been happening? I, what's I don't been happening? really know. Um, I'm okay. I'm trying to think of because there's two tiers of NBA drama, which is I feel like if you're chronically online and very involved in the NBA storylines, there's always like lots of that kind of drama, and then there's the level of drama that reaches like my mom and like people who are either like. At just tangentially aware of it or like don't really pay attention at all. Um, and I'm so deep in it that I have a hard time discerning between what are compelling storylines to someone like myself who knows the entire cast of characters and to the super casual fan. Um, Cause I generally write, I would say for someone in between, like when I'm writing for the guardian, I'm writing for someone who's definitely not as obsessed as me because there are very few of us, <laughs> um, but but not necessarily for someone who doesn't know anything that's going on. Because if you're clicking on an NBA article on The Guardian, you're probably at least somewhat informed. That being said, I would say the biggest kind of drama of the last couple weeks was um, that John Morant. I don't know if you're familiar with that storyline at all. Um, Adam Silver, and unfortunately his, familiar. Yeah, in his peak messiness. Um, for those who are uninformed, basically John Morant is like a big up and coming star in the yep. NBA who got caught, um, by, by way of his own Instagram live account several months ago, um, brandishing a gun at a strip club, um, got in a little bit of trouble for that, but they, it was a pretty soft sentence. All things considered, he kind of went on like an apology tour, promised to do better, did like less than a week in like an emotional rehab center um, and then was back on the court. The Grizzlies subsequently, his team got eliminated in the first round. And then before the playoffs were even done, he was back on Instagram live with another gun. So the NBA then was sort of like, all right, fool me once kind of a thing. So it was, there was a lot of speculation about how much trouble he was going to get in and Adam Silver and all of his messy glory 
went on the TV during the playoffs and said, right shortly before the NBA finals started and said, we've come up with a decision of how long we're going to suspend John Morant for, but we're not going to announce that number until after the finals conclude in deference and respect for the players who are competing in the finals so as not to distract from them when it actually is like so distracting to say like, here's a teaser for the next episode of NBA drama where we're going to find out. (laughs) Yeah. So it was really funny and completely counterintuitive. And uh, so the NBA finals went on, you know, as scheduled and no one knew. And then like true to form, like I think a day or two after the finals ended, they announced that job was going to be suspended for 25 games, which is roughly a third of the season and also enough to disqualify him from basically all NBA awards this year and from being eligible for a Supermax contract. So um, it doesn't 25 games maybe doesn't sound like that much to people who are considering that he might be suspended for the entire season. However, it's enough games to be both really impactful for his team and also for his bottom line at the end of the day. It's going to cost him $70 million. Yeah. When you consider not in like just games missed, but when you consider the other implications, like the super max, the the super max is the huge, that's, that's the punishment aspect of it. And I think that like, to me, there was a part of that. That's like, you don't really want to send him away away like that is not gonna end well like the important thing is for him to like get to a place of being like uh you've got people in your life who are not uh helping you make the right decisions like who whoever has been like yeah uh, just whoever's been on his pr team to like be making these saves i understand being on john Morant's pr team has been an absolute nightmare but Mm -hmm. like it's clear that like the Grizzlies haven't been prepared to like deal with this at all either. Um, but the more fun drama to, to talk about is the uh, Kevin Durant kind and him getting back to uh, playing general manager, apparently a little bit. Um, I don't know which uh, this, what sparked me to, to ask Claire to come back on the show was her TikTok of um Kevin Durant tweets as Zodiac signs, which <laughs> yes. is what fits perfectly into this show. Which was um, spectacular. As Oh, as thank a, you so much. As, as someone who is chronically online, but like I said, a very casual basketball fan. Yes. Excellent work. Well, I, I will say, and I've been on record saying this in the past, the thing I love the absolute most about the NBA is Kevin Durant's Twitter. I have yeah. been a long time beloved fan of some of his <laughs> crazy town tweets um he's calmed down in recent years like a lot of the tweets i referenced for that because that tiktok was actually based on an article i wrote for a website called flagrant i don't know if you guys know flagrant magazine it's like an all-women run basketball magazine but i wrote a piece um so originally it was a twitter thread like three years ago two years ago they asked me to create an article out of that thread and then from that article, I made it into a TikTok. So it's been through an evolution. But the tweets <laughs> that I referenced for the Zodiac signs were mostly really old because he's kind of wisened up, I think, and is generally more tame on Twitter now. Um, but yeah, he's the goat. He's for sure the goat of like NBA tweeters. Like it's not close. He he has a, a really, true poster spirit is, is the key. A really, yeah. um, he's also chronically online. much like Exactly, myself. exactly. 
There's like a really amazing tweet that has seemingly disappeared from the internet that's not that old. And it was like one of – it was like a moment that I – that stands out in my mind because it has been rare in recent years for him to say insane shit on Twitter. But mm-hmm. there was a moment when he like was in the replies of a Politico reporter – does anyone does this ring a bell for anyone? And I I can't no, remember. But this is already incredible. I really am gonna have to like spend some time. I know this happened. This was not a dream. And he said something like, How can you be so fucking stupid, bro? Like to, Oh man. And I'm trying to remember who it was. Like I think oh. I can track this back. I'll try to do some research, but I have tried to find this tweet a few times. It got deleted from the internet, but there were some articles about it. So I I'm gonna try my best, but I feel like that tweet deserves zodiac status if I can find it. I does does, does, does that ring a bell to anyone? I don't remember this, but maybe no. because it was a reply. Like maybe you were following the person; it was a reply to you, and I was. I was not. unfortunately. Yeah, yes. it, was, so- it, was, it, was a, it was like a flashpoint on. It was like a it was like a moment on like politics Twitter when I was a congressional reporter, and and what? anyway. What was it about? It was about Kevin Durant. Like he said something stupid about Kevin Durant and then everyone like yelled at him. You know what? I Okay, I'm going to try my best. I'm sorry I brought this up. I just hoped it would ring a bell for literally anyone else. Um, no, I don't think I'm – so I'm not on – I follow a few political journalists and stuff, mostly people who followed me because they were probably also like NBA fans and then I followed them back. So I was like, oh, you're in, you're a journalist. Like your stuff looks interesting. But I'm not deep on like politics Twitter. My, my Twitter feed is pretty – curated to I would say NBA stuff and comedy slash like you know just memes and whatever like I I've done a pretty good job of of making Twitter an enjoyable user experience for myself by fielding out but like I have some friends like like Aaron Rupar is like a real life friend of mine and so I follow his Twitter and he's like obviously like peak political Twitter um so there are there are some and I'm still you know I, I managed to stay informed while not having my timeline like dominated by um, the political stuff just because I, Twitter is hard enough as it is for me. I feel like that's so. the perfect way to, to manage it is have like one person that you actually like. Yeah. And, like, ideally actually know, but at least actually like yeah. uh, in each of those segments. So you just like you just get enough. Like they're yeah. going to retweet some stuff and you're going to be sort of tangentially aware, but you don't have to like deal with the unwashed masses of it all. Yeah. I've been told actually, because I have a, a decent segment of my followers follow me for, for music and I feel really bad because I tweet <laughs> about probably 90% basketball. <laughs> and I have had people tell me like, yeah, I follow you because I like your music, but like now I feel like I kind of know about the NBA and it's kind of nice. I have like some talking points when I'm like at bars or whatever and like there's a game on and I'm like, oh, there you go. I'm just doing Amazing. the Lord's work, you know? I had like this horrible reverse thing where most of my followers come from, you know, a past life of mine when I was covering the first Trump impeachment and it was people who were like following me for news yeah. of this major news event. And then I was like, what's up, fuckers? I literally only talk about the Mets. (laughs) (laughs) What's up? Would you like to observe my slow motion emotional breakdown? Thanks for listening. Idiots. (laughs) Right. And and it's like I feel like I, you know, 
have sort of just like dragged these people along. I'm like, I made you guys suffer for like five years just like with Mets content. And you know what? We're all we're all fucking watching F1 now. So get used to it. <laughs> yeah. The evolution. There's so many people um, who are well, like baseball are Twitter. Less than nothing right now. So we might as well uh, enjoy F1 and Ferrari giving us uh, slightly more than nothing. <laughs> Um, I don't giving follow, us hot Italian boys. So they're, as you know, I don't. That. I don't follow F one, and I don't actually follow a ton of baseball. I do follow the Dodgers just for like living in LA. Like it's it's very contagious Dodgers energy living here. Um, but I was raised. My mom was a big Mets fan when I was growing up, so I'm familiar with the Mets struggle. And <laughs> the Mets I was ethos. living the ethos <laughs> of pain, and I was living in New York. As I was a kid, but I was living in New York when that when the Subway Series happened in the year 2000, and I have like very strong fond memories of like walking around New York City and every single storefront, every everything. Like there was no everyone had an allegiance, either Yankees or Mets. Like every bodega, every bank, every everything, there was like either Mets or Yankees stuff in the window, and it was pretty cool like i've never I, I still have yet to live in a city that was that universally engaged about a sporting event even like when sporting events are being held like i lived in la obviously we just hosted the super bowl a couple of years ago and the rams were in it and they're an la team so like the rams were in the super bowl in la and it still paled in comparison to the amount of enthusiasm that i saw when it was the mets and yankees in the world series Part of that I problem is that the the Rams are an <laughs> LA team in name only. Yeah, like they're, they're I, LA. LA is a weird city in that you've got so many transplants anyway. So like the allegiances yeah. can be a lot of a little funky because people who are sports fans kind of already have teams that they grew up watching a lot of the time, and then you have the Rams that just like show up and they're like, "Hey, remember us?" And everybody's like, "I don't know you who from St. Louis." Like, who, who invited you uh, to this party? Didn't you used to be in Anaheim? Like, yeah, Anaheim sank on them. I will push back in the sense that I think that the Lakers and the Dodgers have incredibly robust and devoted fan bases here. Oh God, yeah. To the point where like I became a fan of both teams just from like the contagious energy of living in LA, which like it, it is not the same in every city for especially like a city like New York where it's similar to LA and that there's multiple teams and stuff and people love I mean, I, I will say like Yankees and Mets, like baseball is obviously huge in New York. I know a ton of Knicks fans like New York loves their sports teams, but I don't know if I would feel like living in New York. I would just like get caught up in the energy of the, those those particular teams in the same way that like, especially for me living in East, East Los Angeles, um, I think uh, the Dodgers are like such a huge part of like East East LA culture and especially like Latino culture in Los Angeles. It's just like, it's, it's synonymous with the city in a way, kind of Um, like when the Dodgers win, people light off fireworks. Like that's how, you know, the Dodgers won is like, you'll hear fireworks in your neighborhood, you know? So okay, wait, hold on, hold on for, for the non-Californians. I have to ask, is that not normal? Do people not light up fireworks when their teams win other places? <laughs> I, I they- don't. They, they do, do not. Like okay. when the I didn't, I didn't realize that was, an, was a California thing. So 
No, it is <laughs> definitely not every night. It's like a it's like a whole thing. They'll do it for like certain nights with the gnats, and I can hear them from my house. But like, it's oh no, not I, I mean like random standard. People. Like I I know like when the Giants are in the playoffs, or like when the Warriors are in the playoffs. Like I know when the game's over if I'm not watching it because like there's a neighbor shooting off fireworks somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's the California I'm, thing in general. I'm so jealous of you having been here during the Subway series because um, <laughs> I was in college in Philadelphia, like living and dying with it. Um, but Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, like I said, I was a here. kid, but like I, I just remember being like because my mom, I mean, the Mets lost ultimately, as you remember, mm-hmm. I'm sure. <laughs> but my mom was like, you know, like I bought, I had like my little Mets hat and stuff. And like, I, I didn't really grow up that into sports. My mom's not like a huge sports fan, but she like was a Mets fan. Um, and it just like, I, I think that was my first inkling that maybe sports are kind of cool. Cause I've, my whole family is in the arts and entertainment and I, you know, grew up, ended up going to school and everything for music. And so I never saw myself as a sports girl and I kind of, I think my identity was actually centered around being like anti sports in a way when I was younger and like a teenager, like I'm an artsy kid, like what's a sport. And it was like that obnoxious, like pretentious, like people who like sports are other. And I'm the other, like the, the smarter, more evolved, more artistic side of culture. (laughs) And then later I realized like no sports fucking rule. And like, if you're pretentious about that, that you're just missing out on a great, part of the human experience like sports are awesome for like so many reasons and you don't have to be a certain kind of person to like or dislike them like they your identity doesn't have to be tied into your relationship with sports they're just like something that makes being alive more fun and enjoyable so I've come a long way but as, as I the, the freak who is often like in rehearsal like desperately yeah. trying to get a score for something. Um, I <laughs> I relate to that intensely. I had lots. There of- are more of us than you would think. Like there, there are, are more people. There are. The, the deeper I get into basically having my career be two track because it started out, I was a musician with this hobby that I was really into ba- basketball. And now I'm like a musician who's also an NBA writer. So I have like two very clear career paths that are not really related, but both take up a lot of my time and the deeper I get into the NBA track of my career the more I find that like a ton of people I know in music actually like love basketball and want to talk about it and I think yeah I think it's like a myth that you have to be one or the other I think there's so many people who are really into both and I think there's such a like sort of natural overlap in terms of like the the required emotional commitment to this thing yeah, outside of yourself, I think there is sort of a lot of natural overlap that I think the the LOL sports ball um, <laughs> cliche well, kind I, of misses out on. Yeah, I was the exact same way, and I too had this like conversion that you're talking about, Claire. And um, you know, I think that the thing that really made me fall in love was realizing how much of a bridge. It was to people that I had nothing else in common with. Like when I lived in New York and I had this moment of falling in love with the Mets and all of a sudden I had this topic of conversation with all of these like random people in my life. Like, you know, I was 
I was an intern covering local politics. I had nothing in common with so many of the people that I worked with. And suddenly we could talk about baseball. And it really like in that way, I think it's very – I don't know. It's not unlike like being a theater kid. Like I feel like nothing makes me touch my like theater kid side more than (laughs) like – oh. The, the like soap opera of sports yeah yeah there is uh it is very much a like core same emotional reaction like watching a playoff game as a as it is to like when i was sitting in the theater as a teenager watching phantom or you know any of those shows that are really are, are sort of what got me onto doing that side of music professionally for a while um it's very much it's that same like very core like absolute lack of chill just like you are so deep in it (laughs) yeah yeah and just i mean i don't know yeah like there's there's so many things about it that have nothing to do with obviously like there's problematic elements in sports that haven't gone away and i think that's like what i was more reacting to when i wasn't interested like it does sort of you know prioritize and um exalt like the worst parts of like toxic masculinity and all that stuff and that stuff hasn't gone away but i think that like there's that's such a small to me it's such a small element of it and it's really just about like all these other things that are like really beautiful like 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 you said like building community and like i don't know like having something to live for like i just feel like there's there's so like getting through the day as an adult and like especially in the timeline we live in is freaking hard and if you can find something that's like really exciting and like a fun distraction for a couple hours like i just i truly don't see the harm in that and i think it's like kind of important like I I used to think like I don't know because like I you know I I knew a lot of people who you know I went to school with who ended up being like doctors and like lawyers and things like that and I was just sort of like I write songs and write about basketball like you know like whatever but I do think like the things that make life like more fun and like like more worth living are worth a lot and I think you know sports are one of those things like art is one of those things like whatever freaking gets you through the day, man, like that stuff's valuable. So I, I feel no shame in my commitment to like these things that are not life and death anymore. I think that they are important at the end of the day. This is so what I found about F1 this weekend in particular, I had never watched qualifying before really. Oh my Um, God. And like, that's where the real like that the real drama is not on race day oh no it is it is it is a four-day adventure if you really want to commit to it the qualifying oh my goodness like it's these like sessions that are so intense for this short amount of time and you get the radio of them yelling back at the uh at, at the pit at the crew at the team director it's all it's wonderful and you you mentioned Britt about the the playoffs and this is what i was thinking like why f1 having playoffs would be like an amazing thing is that like to give people who don't want to follow it all year that that kind of extra reason to be like into this stretch Uh, nascar 
that has worked for me. It works in the NBA. It works in a lot of things where you might not want to invest the full year, but like, even though like the playoff system is flawed in NASCAR and it's flawed in every sport. Um, what do you mean? Somebody doesn't want to watch Max Verstappen win 20 races in a row. I, I can't imagine why <laughs> that wouldn't be yeah. worth investing in. How could you not convince I someone that there is value in that? I and, and this is where I wanted to, to tie back into basketball um, and the Warriors specifically. Um, you know, they went 73 and nine in, 15 16 and won 15 more games in the playoffs and then lost the last three yeah so they were not nba champions but they are one of the greatest teams of all time i don't think there's a question about that as are the following year's warriors who won 67 games and then went 16 and freaking one in the playoffs revenge tour they were like (laughs) oh yeah we pressed for the regular season record last year we did it we didn't get the championship. Y'all had to complain. Now we have Kevin Durant and fuck you. I, I think that that was just a beautiful distillation of what it can be because like they gave us, they gave you the peak of what the regular season could be. They gave you the peak of what the playoffs could be. And over the stretch of it, they gave you the peak of what all of it could be, but doing so in the way that like, the NBA, it, yeah, it, people got bored of it or whatever after four years. But now everybody's like, where's the, you know, now people, it, the lesson of, of those four straight Warriors-Cavs matchups to me is that people are always going to complain because it was, yep. oh, it's this every year. Now it's, oh, where are the familiar teams? There's no rivalries anymore. Right. Like, nope. Nobody wants to watch no, the Nuggets. always be first take. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, you're never going to please everyone. And it is sort of one of those things where people are like, you know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Like, I think that that stuff and LeBron rivalry was really special. I wrote about that recently. I think it was super singular and we might never see something like it again, where it's like two people at the peak of their powers, just like dueling it out year over year. And I think that's actually really compelling. That's like part of why I got so into basketball was that particular time. Um, I think certain fan bases are really excited that their teams are relevant again. It's just the problem is those fan bases are really small. You know, like I think Bucks fans are stoked that they won a championship and Nuggets fans are stoked that they won a championship. But at the end of the day, like because the history of success isn't there, those fan bases just like aren't very robust. Um, I think ultimately – Parity like we have right now is probably more compelling than the year over year, like same teams dueling it out, at least as far as like getting casual fans engaged because, you know, you can pick it up at any year and start from day one of the season and really have no idea what's going to happen. You know, it's sort of like if you like – we're, you know, I thought this last season of succession was like maybe the best season that there's been. But part of why it was so good is because I had three seasons prior of like watching these characters build up. And so when we right. finally were like, you know, dangled a carrot of like maybe these three siblings will actually learn how to work together. <laughs> it was like so rewarding because there were three seasons of like, if you guys would just freaking work together, you could probably pull this off. 
Right. Um, but I mean, it also st- could stand alone probably as its own season. And I feel like the NBA is like that where it's like, you know, part of what gave it so much heft when it was like Steph and LeBron meeting again in the finals is like, if you had been watching all this time, you know, that it's like, you know, there's this years long rivalry and it, it increases the drama. Whereas this year and like the last couple years, I feel like you could have really started from like day one of the season and you would have had the exact same dramatic heft of the finals as, you know, like if you watched the Miami heat all year that just this year, if you knew nothing about their history and you just watched them from day one and you saw how piss poor they were for the majority of the season and we're like I, I these this team keeps like winning these weird down to the like last final seconds games where it's like how did they do that but they're also still pretty bad but they have this weird certain something and then watch them get to the finals like that's a really compelling storyline and I think like those sorts of things are the things that are going to make people that are going to grow the game and stuff like that versus people just being like, I don't need to watch the NBA because I just know it's going to be Steph and LeBron in the finals every year. As somebody who's singularly invested in the Knicks. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I dream of that. And like having a season like Miami did where like, it's, I like it that it's possible. I like that, you know, it within reason for a lot of teams and not just, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the, Steph LeBron rivalry too, as well as like the development of those secondary characters, like KD and and James Hard- and then James Harden is like, uh, you know the the Oklahoma City boss that they had to overcome, and the Houston boss with with Russ, like that mm-hmm. was there was building in stages to that, and it's a different it's a different thing, but it's still really cool. But like as a Knicks fan, I would take a sixty win season again. I would take a deep playoff run. Either one of those to me is a valid um, use of my season. I would also take um, just be entertaining. Wait, when was a 60-win Knicks season? And I don't mean that in a pejorative way. I'm just like, wait, when (laughs) is the last time you guys won 60 games? Damn, I'm going to have to look Because you just said that so casually. You're like, I would take a 60-win season again. I'm like, when did – when did the Knicks win 60? When By the, the way, for those Knicks. listening at home who aren't basketball fans, there's 82 games in a season. So a 60-game season is like a solid A-plus season. <laughs> 60 out of 82, if you're doing the math, is very good. The Among Knicks the have best. won 60 games. Uh, it is the team record. They did it in 1992-93. Perfect. And they lost <laughs> I was four. finals <laughs> to Michael Jordan and the Bulls. And um, my heart began to be set on fire. So I think saying 60 was uh, exactly appropriate. The other time <laughs> the Knicks won 60 was... Uh, was in the 1969-70 season. Perfect. When they also just wanted to flag that. Just wanted to flag that as you said it so casually. Like, I would take that again. And I'm like, again? Let's emphasize that word again. <laughs> How often well, does I this do, happen? I do think, I think that this is... I was talking in the context of 73 and then 67. 60 seemed like a reasonable no. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that seems moderate. But I do think that that's like the joy to me of sort of like long haul seasons. And baseball literally has almost 100 more games than that. But the NBA is a long haul season as well. To me, like 80 games is not something to scoff at as a fan. Yeah. And um, 
it also means that anything can happen. Like, and I think yeah. that that's the the real joy to me of the like Miami Heat or the like, you know, whatever year that was, the 2019 Nationals, who were just like horrible, like yeah. so, bad. so bad, so so bad. bad. They were like they were. I don't know. I don't remember how horribly – they were like 15 games under 500 at the All-Star break or something and they went on and won the World Series. And yeah. I think that that's – I mean, that's A, like what is more theatrical than that? And B, like, you know, as long as there's one case of this, like one case of horrible eight-seed team makes it to the finals in the end or like one case of, you know, the Miracle Mets – then it can always be and you can like spend the whole – I mean it's the, it's such a double-edged sword of hope. But yeah, it's a big part of what I think keeps me coming back to this damn Mets team. I'm like yeah. – I'm you guys, I'm like sick in the head. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like they're up 6 nothing. They they're were under 500. If I'm not mistaken, right? Weren't That's they? the problem, Claire. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I didn't follow very closely, but I was like – I did follow closely enough to text my mom and be like, you might want to start watching baseball again. I think the Mets are pretty good. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm so sorry to your mom. <laughs> no, like last year, Addie, Addie and I were there as as the season came crashing down against the Padres in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, but that God. did not invalidate the the delight that that season yeah. was No, it was such months. a delight. It was so fun. and And in some ways, it's like, you know – uh, this is such a – this is going to bite me in the ass if I say it. But it's like in some ways having fun for six straight months versus having fun for like six weeks in the playoffs, we got to have a lot of fun. We had a yeah, lot right. of fun, Very all things considered. I'm not, I'm not going to – I'm not going to act like that wasn't heartbreaking and I didn't spend six months getting my hopes up. But like it is, you know – like, I think we can all, like, collectively talk shit on the NFL. Like, I just feel like 17 games, like, that's, like, not a lot of heart that you're really investing. That's, like, not a lot of pain. That's lot, Ooh, not a lot of chapters oh. on your journey. I, I feel, <laughs> like, I, I feel no. like I have to disagree because, yeah. because there's so few I just games. just I would give this hot take. No, no, no. I love that hot take. And as an NBA fan, I it takes up so much of my time and energy that, like, I very much understand what you're saying. But as a semi-recent very begrudging convert to the NFL because I'm not I'm like a basketball fan like first and foremost and then very distant 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 second like probably tied baseball football but like for sure like I could watch no other sport for the rest of my life and I'd be completely fine like I'm that's how into basketball I am but the NFL because there's only a few games every game matters so much right and the weight of every game is like so intense and you can feel it and it's palpable. So there's just like some random Sunday in like December and you're just like, this is life or death. If the Titans lose this game, Tennessee will have to secede from the union and like form. You know what I mean? Like, but no, it is like, so true. Even as I said it, I yeah. heard myself and my boyfriend, a diehard, lifelong, many times heartbroken Miami Dolphins fan. Oh. I'm sure. Is I mean, he's living his best life now. Just think about what gets packed into the witching hour. 
every week on okay, Red Zone. It's true. Jesse's finally speaking my language. Red Zone is the most magical. <laughs> I love Red Zone. I want, I've ever seen in my entire life. It's I want there so to be an NBA Red Zone so badly, and they're kind of starting oh to God, do something yeah. similar where it's like you can do like multi-screen on League Pass, I think, or like or on some sort of NBA product. I know they're launching some sort of multi-screen situation, but no, Red Zone's amazing, and like. Yeah, like, first of all, to your boyfriend, as someone who's like, works with a lot of people who cover the NFL, I would say Dolphins looking pretty good. I, it's a hopeful time to be a Dolphins fan. Um, Tyree Kill was a great pickup for them last year. And they are a very, I would say Miami sports in general, killing it right what now. A time. Like, what a time. They just had and two eight Marlins. <laughs> right, and then there's the Marlins. Who are the, Mar- the Marlins are pretty good right now. The Marlins are pretty good. The both they had both their basketball team and their hockey team as eight seeds go to the championship this year. They just signed Lionel Messi to their soccer team, which is like the biggest coup in American that, that soccer history. Um, and yeah, I think think the Dolphins are going to be pretty good this year. But no, I think for well, football, the city sinks into the ocean. I think with right. fo- football, the reason football, first of all, is probably never going to not be the number one most popular American sport is because as long as there's a 40 plus hour work week, like the average American no, doesn't so have true. the time to invest in sports that have like 80 to 100 and whatever games baseball that is has. So true. But like you can spend three hours on a Sunday like or a Monday night or whatever watching your favorite team and the potency of like stakes and energy per game is proportionate to the number of games. So like even if you're only watching one episode of the sports novella per week because you watch football the drama is there you know what I mean so I think think it's totally fair and I think the thing that that I'm trying to get at with the long haul sports is the I think that there's none of the creeping feeling feeling in the NFL yeah like it does all come at you all at once in three hours it's (laughs) extremely extremely different that way as somebody who um is a diehard baseball fan but also uh was was born in the South that is the child of SEC alums and yeah and also grew up in San Francisco in the like peak Niners era um so they are by far like my two most favorite sports by orders of magnitude they are yeah. polar opposites in terms yeah. of what the experience is like mm-hmm. um football is like it's an appointment I know that I'm gonna turn on the game. Yeah, uh, on Saturday and or Sunday, and I'm going to be excessively emo- emotionally invested for three to four yeah. hours, and it will make or break my weekend. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like from from kickoff of the first week of the season, like from week zero through the end of bowl season, like every week has that 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 weight to it and has that yeah. significance, which is great and terrible at the same time. Whereas baseball is really like, it's so just baked into my day at this point. Almost every day I'm going to come home and I'm going to turn a game on. And if I don't watch it or I kind of only half watch it, that's okay. It's it's on in the background. I make dinner. I honestly stand so corrected because I just had a flash of realizing (laughs) like, you know what other sport is three hours on a fucking Sunday? And you know what sport? Yeah. I'm literally like dragging yeah. myself yeah. around. Yeah. I'm just like, 
I'm just like walking around like, does anyone care about F1? Does anyone care about F1? Does anyone care about F1? And I'm like, oh, like, you know, living and dying with my Ferrari boys. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think there's any emotional storyline in the end of it. <laughs> It, it, it really is just – it is back. so different though. It's just different. That's what, that's what I was trying to say. It's just and they both different. serve their purpose. They both serve their purpose and also like, you know, I think there's something to be said for like the company of having sports on and like not having it be like you have right. to be riveted for every single moment. Right. I'm The reason I want the NBA to shorten the season – um, is more like from a player advocacy perspective, like for sure, it's just, it's just too many miles on their bodies. And especially like, um, I actually had this conversation with like, kind of, I would lovingly refer to him as an old head, uh, while I was watching a finals game a week ago, where he was just like, they never used, they always used to play the same 82 games and they, they managed to make it through the playoffs then. And I'm like, okay, let me like break this down for you. For one, the game is way faster now. It's played at a way faster pace. There's a lot more running. So there's quite literally more miles on these guys' bodies from playing one game, the same game as they were when they were just like jogging up the court in converse at like three miles an hour or whatever. And then additionally, additionally, these guys now start way younger. The AAU circuit, all of this stuff is like super important as far as becoming a pro athlete now. And they're so specialized from such a young age. So not only are they putting the miles on earlier on their bodies, but it's like the very specific body parts that are taking all of this abuse from a super young age because they're super specialized. It's not like kids back in the day used to play three or four sports and then eventually late high school, college, they would kind of zone in on one. These kids are going to AAU basketball camps and like taking this stuff very seriously from like six, seven, eight years old. And they're working these same knee, you know, the same knees, same ankles, same everything that are going to take repeated abuse as they go into professional sports. So it's just a lot harder on the body now um, and a lot more specialized and a lot more miles are putting, being put on them. So from like a player health yeah. perspective, I'm super, super in favor of it being shortened about 20 games and starting at Christmas. Um, but from like a from like a fan perspective, I'm like, yeah, the more basketball, the merrier. It's just yeah. the problem is like when they all these players end up getting hurt, you get to the most consequential part, part of the season where you're like, oh my God, my Knicks miraculously made it to the playoffs or whatever. And then all of these players that have been like playing heavy minutes, especially because cough, cough, your coach is Tom Thibodeau and he has been known to ruin knees and careers with like playing their, his players heavy minutes. All of a sudden no one's available to play in these consequential games because they're all hurt. Well, so, and, yeah, I mean, it, let's not act like Kevin McHale, uh, you know, who I'm sure is, is popular with the old heads always. Uh, let's not act like he had a full healthy career and didn't like, completely wreck his knees and yeah bill walton um so you know you pick pick players that you know fucking patrick ewing like ran down his knees and well i mean and we have this exact same argument with baseball too that it's the same thing you get kids specializing at 10 and 12 years old and then you've got guys who are having tommy john their first tommy john surgery at 14 15 16 years old and then they're going to continue to throw hundred miles an hour and put that kind of wear and tear on their elbow. And like uh, the Wake Forest Cup baseball team has a, a pitching lab and one of the biomechanic biomechanists. That's the word I was looking for. 
um, who run it was talking during the game the other night. And she was saying that, yeah, we've been really good at reducing shoulder injuries because we understand so much about the biomechanics of what causes those, like rotator cuff and stuff injuries. And we know how to, to strengthen those muscles and, and build shoulder stability. But we basically don't know how to fix the elbow problem that like we are just doing people are throwing balls harder than their elbows are designed to do. And we can't strengthen a ligament. Like that's not something that we can fix. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're sort of at that point in a lot of sports where it's like, you're just asking a lot of these people's bodies to do this every year. And so you can't be surprised anymore if somebody gets hurt or somebody wears down what would be otherwise be early in their career. It's almost like we should legalize steroids. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, they're definitely being used in in great in great number, and I they're not going All anywhere. All the more reason, yeah, yeah. it's fine. okay. I just I just need to loop us back to an earlier conversation. I'm sorry. I I know that Claire has to leave soon, and so I, I would be remiss not to say I found the tweet that I was trying to oh, direct amazing. you all to. Um, I I will put it in the chat again. The tweet is still there. It's it's the, uh, the, the it's like what makes it even better is that now whatever he was responding to has been deleted, and I cannot find whatever it was that Tim oh Alberta was saying. And for any of you who are not familiar with Tim Alberta, Tim Alberta is like a very Tim Alberta is like just such a. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say. Like a cookie cutter political reporter, like he's just really a guy in politics and he like writes for the Atlantic. And so this tweet, which is Kevin Durant replying to uh, Tim Alberta saying, go do your research, Tim. You, just the letter U, you sound stupid. Capitalized. <laughs> yeah, capitalized. <laughs> it, the this is the tweet. Capitalized in the one letter I think is really beautiful. It's so good. Go do your research, Tim. You sound stupid. <laughs> that like made my whole day. And and that's really like the joy of Kevin Durant to me is that like he's out here in the replies of like random people <laughs> saying crazy shit. This right. is from 2020. Like this is like long after he stopped tweeting some of his most wild things. So Yeah, you know. Kevin is chronically online. Um, God love him. We're I think we're the same age or roughly the same age. So we're both like smack dab in the middle of like the millennial, I guess, age range. And we just can't help ourselves. Like our generation, we're the last generation that's ever going to remember a time before the internet, but we're a generation that was like very much formed by the internet. So I think it's just it's yeah. in our DNA. We're just super online. What can we do? And to me, that tweet oh. is an Aries tweet. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. I don't know if you saw the like. So I and, did. Yeah, I the did. Aries. The Aries tweet it, I chose was like, um, I would beat Steph Steph Curry in a game of horse. Same. Yeah. Same energy. Also same energy. Same energy. Yeah. Just like yeah. that competitive spirit. Oh, I've dated se- several I would Aries. Beat Steph Curry in a game of horse. <laughs> I feel I like yeah. Him. Aries are hyper I, but I was told Steph Curry is a, isn't a good shooter uh, energy. Wait, there. before yeah, well. I before I go, because I do have to leave. Do you? So you guys are. So Jesse's an Aries. What are Addie and Brittany? What are your signs? 
Uh, I go first for it. Or should I guess? (laughs) Oh, you you can totally guess. Guess is fun. All right. Um, I feel like I don't know you guys that well yet. We've only spent maybe 45 minutes together. Um, okay. All right. How many guesses do I get for each person? I feel like three there's only is a fair zodiac number. signs. Yeah, three. three I feels was going to say three as well. Perfect. Okay. Addy, are you a Aquarius? No, but but no, but no. <laughs> Perfect. Um. Okay, so I'm trying to decide if that means that you're not like an air sign of any kind, or if you're just not that air sign. Um, this is not good content. I'm just saying um and like pausing so long because I'm really deeply thinking uh, about this. This is good. I, while while you are thinking, I will explain the the game that we will go out on, which is uh, great things are happening at Rocco's in Omaha for the College World Series. We talked a little bit about Week Forest there, and that brought it up. Um, LSU has. As of three hours ago, we're recording on Monday night. As of three hours ago, LSU has set uh, the record uh, Guinness Book of World Records for shots purchased by one person. All-time overall total of Jello shots at the Rocco's Jello Shot Challenge um, and the all-time team total. Uh, LSU at 21,435 Jello shots as of three hours ago, breaking the previous record, which was under 20,000. The College World Series goes through the weekend. Um, so the game that we are going to play, and we will each have two picks, is uh, assembling an eight-team board that, on its greatest day, on its on its Miami Heat on a heater um, run, could possibly challenge the LSU total because we know that LSU is the the 2017 warriors of what's happening. <laughs> okay. And, and that, I forgot there was a game. So to, for brevity, I'm just going to guess one more, one astrology sign for each of you. Okay, because great. Yeah, that's good. Okay. My last Addy guess is Virgo. No, I'm a Leo. You're a Leo. So okay. I, that was going to be my feel... Brittany guess. Is Brittany not a Leo? Ooh, I am take not. It? I am not. What are you? I'm a Scorpio. Uh, but okay. Aries moon Pisces rising. So it gets a little funky. <laughs> um, I did feel very spoken to by the Leo tweet you chose, which is, man, I hate when I go to sleep and wake up to no messages, dot, 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 someone in the dot, 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 Kevin Vala, three, three. <laughs> it's it's, it's the aim that really just is, I mean, is this the chef's kiss of the whole thing. For me, it is that I've had that thought. I've like, you know, if I ever have a nap and I wake up and I don't have any And there's text, no text? Like. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? You know? <laughs> Does no one like, love where me? Where are all my fans? <laughs> right. Literally. Um, I'm a Libra for the record, which is the same sign as Kevin Durant. Beautiful. Wow. So. That's so beautiful. A deep affinity. Okay. Um, so we're picking two colleges that we think would rival drinking from LSU. Two colleges that on on their best moment could take a shot at this record. I would say Whatever universe- LSU sets it at. University of Miami feels safe. And I'm going to go University of Wisconsin-Madison for my second. Okay. So um, I will say uh, UW was definitely in the running for me. And I have a tweet to pull (laughs) up for this because one of the lovely individuals who um, 
follows me on Twitter, I think summed it up perfectly. I can get this page to load. Now, now it's going to take eight years while I try and do this. Cause... Okay, I'll just say I'm taking University of Arizona. Oh, Arizona, Solid. good pick. Good pick. Is that what it's Solid. called or is it Arizona State? Do you well, know which one I'm talking about? There's, there's two. Both there's are the University of Arizona and there's Arizona State. Which one Arizona is, State really is the one that was school? on my draft board? Arizona then that's State, probably the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, Arizona yeah, State is the one in like Phoenix proper. And University of Arizona is in... It's in Tucson. Tucson. My college roommate is a music professor there. ASU is actually in Tempe, not Scottsdale. Not to well actually you, but... And I'm just going to say... The, the greater I, I Phoenix like... metro area. Okay. Did, yeah. I, did I get a parking ticket from them in Scottsdale? <laughs> or did I... <laughs> Potentially. I, do they have... They probably... I, I imagine that Satellite they have property campus, in Scottsdale. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Something. Maybe that's the where this Probably. certainly stadium of some kind, or maybe I parked in Tempe and walked to Scottsdale. I don't know. I got, I okay. City borders mean nothing in, in the greater Phoenix area, in my experience. Yeah, it's all Phoenix, basically. It's so all, I think I'm taking Phoenix. Arizona State. I think that's what I I think all that's right. what I'm thinking of is Arizona State. Okay. And I'll say my second one, maybe this is a curveball, but I did not go to Columbia, but I went to NYU, the the downtown sub like, you know, lesser sibling of Columbia. And everyone I knew at Columbia could drink in a way that shocked and stunned me. I think we often underestimate Ivy League freaks in these <laughs> conversations, like the amount of alcohol that they're able to put away. So, so that's my second one. So the th- the thing with Ivy League freaks is that they usually turn their noses down at something as pedestrian as a jello shot. Um having having dealt with having having dealt with a subset of Columbia undergrads, you'd be surprised. Yeah, hard disagree. I, hard disagree. I went to Bennington, which isn't Ivy, but it's like adjacent, probably. It's like artsy yeah. adjacent. And I remember at the end of the semester, we made this thing called Evil, which was just all the <laughs> leftover bottles of everything that was left in our dorm like <laughs> building. Yeah, yeah. Like wine, tequila, margarita mix, vodka. It all just went into a big tub and we drank it with turkey basters. So I think that yeah. like smart kids like to get fucked up too. Is yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna, I, I went to Mount Holyoke and I spent a lot of time at parties at Amherst. I'm not going to disagree about the wanting to get fucked up. Maybe right. it's just Amherst right. that is uniquely no, douchebaggy like that way. There's a level of, there's a level of like joy and pride in the irony of a jello shot too. Yeah. Like there's sort of like a, I don't know. I'm doing a little yeah. like chef kiss move on the non-recorded video feed. Uh, but you are you are on the clock here for year two, okay. and then I'll give my two. And then we'll I'm going to preface my picks with this tweet uh, from Kaylin Fullerton, who follows me on Twitter. Excellent work. Um, Southern people drink because they like alcohol, but Midwesterners drink because they hate life. <laughs> Uh, so with that pick, mm-hmm. <laughs> with with that in mind, uh, I'm going to go with uh, University. Hey, my gopher shirt for Claire. I was just going to say University of Minnesota was going to be one of my picks. Solid, solid choice. Um, and University of Iowa is my other pick. Nice. You need, need to dunk on Iowa at all times. Uh, look, um, I am never going to not take an opportunity to take a, a shot at Iowa. 
Um, I I am going to um, furthering what Addy said about Ivy Leaguers. Um, I went to Penn. We uh, freshman year mixed the last legal bottles of Everclear in Pennsylvania before they stopped selling it. I mixed that up with some Kool-Aid in a garbage can and had an enormous party the next day. The bathroom, the common bathroom, was a bright shade of red wall to wall from the vomit. Uh, but the oh drinking school God. in the Ivy League is Dartmouth. And, uh, 100% so can't go. confirm. Makes sense. 100%. Makes sense. I'm going with them because uh, Addie took Arizona State off my board and uh, I will go out with this um, salute to our nation uh, patriotism and all that uh, anchors away the United States Naval Academy <laughs> God I hope they make it to Omaha one day uh, so we can see some real shit I love it that is so true nice Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah, thanks Thank for, you for joining us. us. This is so much fun. This was Come fun. Back anytime. You made me. Yes. You made me feel, you know, invigorated by the NBA again. Amazing. So thanks well, for joining us. I'm an NBA evangelist, so it's the least I can do. Um, you should watch one F1 race and come back and talk to us. Though <laughs> so. so I would have officially like multiplied the number of F1 races I've ever seen by an order of magnitude of infinity. So I, I can watch I, one. I will, yeah. I will just leave you with this, which is that if you like gossip, drama, backstabbing, bromances, you know, interpatic gay relationships, like F1's for you. Imagine if the end was a bunch it. of rich European men and then went very fast. It's the same. Yeah. Otherwise, it's very. And there was only 20 of them. Yeah. They all know each other really well. Yeah. They've all known each other since they were like 10. It's chaos. All right. Well, great elevator pitch. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Exactly. (laughs) All right. 